What's up, guys? This is Box Office Brunch. We're your hosts. I'm Rita. And I'm David. And today we're talking about a classic, classic film called The Matrix. I love this movie so much. I do too. It's actually reinvigorated my love for this movie. I haven't seen it in forever. I'm probably going to have a very hard time being objective. I have to say this is <laughs> this is one of, if not my favorite movies of all time. So just take my comments with a grain of salt. Okay. And what are we eating for brunch today? We went to a place that I'd never been to before, but it's near your house. And so what's it called again? I can't remember. First Watch. First Watch. Um I got kind of like a normal breakfast with eggs and bacon and toast and some potatoes. I got a frittata (laughs) and a kale tonic, a kale juice. Yeah, which uh, she made me try because I have I'm skeptical of green drinks. (laughs) So (laughs) so I I tried it. It was good. You can you can taste the kale in it. Hashtag health because we're drinking mimosas, too, with mango. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, well, mango, it tastes... it's like a mango orange juice. It's just like this simply orange juice with mango, tastes not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's good. It is pretty good. Well, All right. So let's get into it. Yeah, I guess. go grab your mimosas and follow along as we delve into this very, very detailed episode. Yeah. It's going to be a long one. All right, let's go. Okay. So the first thing is it was released March 31st, 1999, which I didn't know. Which I guess it didn't register to me because it is a film set in the future. It didn't register to me that it was a film that was recorded when we were eight. Yeah. Recorded. I mean, filmed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I remember when this movie came out and it just like blowing my mind. I was nine years. No, I was eight years old. I just said that. (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) i've i've got my sassy pants on today yeah that's fine it was directed by the wachowskis yeah and they were actually the writers and directors and part of the thing about this movie was that they wanted to direct it but they needed they hadn't directed anything else before they'd been working on this script for like years and years and years and they, they were adamant that they be the ones to direct it. And I think it was Warner Brothers didn't want them to. And so they wanted them to go direct another movie first to kind of like get their feet wet kind of thing. Which didn't they? Yeah. They recorded something else. Yeah, they did. I don't remember. Recorded. I keep saying recorded. I mean filmed, but <laughs> we're recording podcasts. That's why I'm saying that. Yeah, they did. I can't remember what it was called and I didn't write it down. So I don't remember. But they did direct another movie first. Which I think Hugo Weaving was in that movie as well. Because I I think that that's why they wanted him for The Matrix was they saw his performance in that film. Yeah. Hugo Weaving plays uh, Agent Smith. And I also read that they considered a couple other people for Agent Smith. Wait, no. They considered a couple people for Morpheus. 
and Neo. And Neo and Trinity. The list is very long in terms of who they considered, considered or like the offered final cast. to. Yeah. The budget was at $63 million, and by filming it in Australia, they were actually able to keep the final budget at that. The movie would not have been greenlit by Warner Brothers otherwise because it would have cost a lot of money, $180 million for a U.S.-based production, which is a lot for the 90s. That's a lot. Yeah, that's huge. It only made $27.8 million in the first weekend, but it ended up grossing $465 point three million worldwide another thing that i realized during this is that the u.s is such a small amount of the global box office for almost all of these movies and so i know we hear a lot about movies that are catering to like the chinese audience and stuff like that but they're a huge portion of the global box office oh that's interesting yeah so like while i hate it it because makes we, sense. we can't show up for our filmmakers. Yeah. No, well, I don't know if it's that or it's just that we have this inflated idea of how big we really how are. How big we are. Yeah. In terms of population and stuff, we're we're nothing compared to Asia, China well, yeah. and India and all of those countries are have so many more people. And they're interested in films like this. This film really did garner a huge following yeah nothing like it had been made before yeah it was revolutionary the special effects the idea about us all living in a simulation and stuff like that was kind of people were like whoa it was kind of creepy yeah in a sense yeah i mean well there were from the music and a couple of the scenes and stuff it really did have some horror elements it felt like some of the visuals it was it was a little scary I know there's and a scene, eerie. I'll mention it when we're kind of going I through the I plot the a little bit. About. Yeah, that really messed with me as a kid. It messed with me as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ooh. If um, you guys could only have been there when I was watching it because I made a lot of commentary out loud. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe we can do that sometime. Do like a, a watch with us kind of thing. Yeah, let us know if you guys would want us to do a watch with us where we play the movie and you watch along and hear our live commentary as it's happening. Because the big thing is we also watch these films separate from each other. Yeah. So we're hearing each other's opinion for the first time on the podcast. Yeah. It's kind of a, a, a weird thing for us because like we mentioned that we, we bonded over movies and we used to do movie nights and stuff like that. And we would just like talk nonstop throughout these movies, not always even about the movies themselves, just <laughs> talk all the time then we would also talk about these movies and one of the things that's really interesting with this podcast is kind of wanting to save that so that we can get our real genuine reactions on the show and it's it's difficult sometimes i notice we we catch each other or we catch ourselves rather where we're like uh never mind i'm gonna save that yeah i can't tell you this because yeah i'm gonna save it for the podcast i have to make a note i want to tell you about this on the show right so it let us know if that's something that would be interesting we're playing around with the idea of doing that quarterly or something. Yeah. Let us know. It was released. I think I looked back and it was released on like a Tuesday, which I mentioned <laughs> that it was really weird that The Greatest Showman was released on a Wednesday, but apparently that just happens. That it's just released in the middle of the week or when something. When did movies start coming out on Fridays then? I have no idea. We'll have to Maybe look that when up. they realized that the box office wasn't doing well when it was released on a week. Yeah. 
But this one was actually, so when I looked back to try to figure out what other movies were released alongside this movie, because it was released on a Tuesday, it didn't have a ton. There were some movies that were released like the previous Thursday or like the following Friday or whatever. But the only movie that was released on the same day as this one was actually 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, it's great. It's actually on the list. I think it's on the wheel right now. It is. So who knows? Manifesting that energy. <laughs> maybe it'll be our movie for next week. We'll this have to also wait till came the out end on March 31st, 1999. Yeah. <laughs> so stick around to the end to find out if that's going to be our next movie or We not. don't even know. Yeah, we'll find out at the end. So do we want to jump into the movie itself? Yeah. So it opens up with the shot of a computer screen. And it looks like a phone call is being traced and you hear voices on the line talking about how they think they found the one. Yeah, I think we find out later that Trinity is taking over for they're watching somebody Mm -hmm. and she's taking over and the person's like, oh, why are you here? It's not your turn. And she's like, well, I, I just wanted to take a shift. She's like, you like him, don't you? There's something about him. We have no idea who any of these people are or who they're talking about or anything. No. And. Then these policemen enter a motel room and confront Trinity and she's in like leather clad. Yeah. She's just like sitting in this empty room facing the wall like she's in timeout. Yeah. You know, tracing whatever. A pursuit breaks out and they run after her and Yeah, and this is she does like some cool fucking moves. Yeah. This this is this is where you realize like she's you get a taste of like what you're about to see with the action and stuff cameras spinning around them and and she's like diving through windows and shit yeah she's running on walls and suspending herself in air (laughs) (laughs) that's all i could think of and she's wearing sunglasses too right in this part is she wearing sunglasses um if she is in the beginning she's not by the end okay maybe she's not. not i just have that ingrained in my brain who plays trinity carrie ann moss all right and they in the script the wachowskis literally only described trinity as a woman clad in leather or a leather clad woman i don't remember but that was the only description of her was that she wore leather it is so interesting how this film which it'll come up i'll say this a million times in this episode i feel everything in this film is intentional Yes, it's all very... They are very methodical and how... very deliberate, yeah. Yes, and how they set everything up and everything they've done is intentional from the sunglasses to the leather trench coats they wear. Yeah. All of it has a purpose and a meaning behind it. Yeah. You can tell that the directors were very well read. They yeah. read a lot of books. They made the they, cast read books. They had spent a lot of time on this script. It had gone through like 14 iterations or something by the time it got to the Lord. movie. So they'd been working on this for a really long time. This was kind of their passion project. And there's a lot of references to other movies or other stories or books or biblical references and like everything has a purpose. Exactly. And I think that's why this film is so well received. They didn't, there's nothing that is there that is stupid or just, you know, sometimes films have filler. Yeah. And this certainly doesn't. Every scene is intentional. Every little detail which i watched it one and a half times because i watched it on friday and fell asleep but when i was watching it again i noticed things that i didn't yeah. notice the first time around but all of all of the names and every little exactly. detail is something and some eerie details which yeah. i'll bring up but 
Trinity answers a ringing phone and then she disappears. Whoa. Right. There's like a huge chase that breaks out and they're like jumping super far and just all kinds of. And the agents are there. And yeah, because that's what happens is the policemen show up, but then the agents actually break through because the policemen are up there and the agent shows up and Agent Smith shows up and is like, they'll be dead soon or something. He's like, policeman's like all of this for one little girl. My agents are bringing her down now. And he's like, nope, your men are already dead. And he talks funny. He does. Agent Smith, you mean? Yeah, Hugo. Hugo Weaving. Yeah, Hugo Weaving deliberately did that too because he wanted the audience to be confused on whether he was a machine or human. Yeah. You can't tell. Yeah, we do find out later. But But you're like, what's this guy's deal? It gives me Terminator vibes a little bit. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, he is kind of Terminator-y. So yeah, there's this big chase scene and... Trinity is rush rushes into a phone booth and answers a phone just as a truck plows down the phone booth, but then she's gone. Where'd she go? I don't know. We're gonna find out. We're gonna find out. And then you hear the agents talking about their next target, which is just the name Neo. Yeah. And so then we cut to Neo or Keanu Reeves character, like asleep in his apartment on his computer desk. And then the computer starts like talking to him, kind of like somebody's typing on the computer. It's saying the Matrix has you. And then knock, knock, Neo, just as somebody knocks on the door. Creepy. So they seem to have like some kind of understanding of what's going on in the world without being there. And there's a couple other references to that. And there is the point that the screen also tells him to follow the white rabbit. And yes. so he's kind of, there's an Alice in Wonderland reference, obviously. This yes. Is- this film is very convoluted, similarly to Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Right. And, and it is so an outsider t- mm-hmm. getting deeper and deeper into a, a, a strange world. And so it's implied in that scene when he opens the door that he is a hacker. Yeah. Of some sort who sells hacking equipment or software. Software. Yeah. And so he gives that to his clients. And I thought this was really interesting when he says, you know, if you get caught with that, and they're like, we get it. You don't exist. Yeah, I thought that that was a really crazy reference because I think Neo doesn't feel like he belongs. Yeah, well, well, they deliberately did things in the like styling of him and stuff like his clothes in the beginning were all very like ill fitting and shabby. And there's a lot of things implying that Neo doesn't fit in this world. Yes. And then he turns. Well, no, he doesn't turn. The woman turns and she sees a white rabbit on her shoulder. Yeah, she's got like a white rabbit tattoo. And so he's like, OK, I guess I am going to follow the white rabbit. And he goes to some goth techno club and they're playing. Is it Rob Zombie? Probably. Yeah, oh, I think gosh. it is actually. Yeah. Zach was singing it. It's like, <laughs> how do you know this song? You heathen. Yeah. And he's doing what every uh, what every kid did at the party leaning against the wall alone (laughs) (laughs) is that what you did at parties yeah i was also hoping that somebody like trinity would approach me and whisk me off on a great adventure (laughs) (laughs) of course of course you were too cool to dance yeah and this was actually the scene that carrie ann moss auditioned with was this club scene where she approaches him oh i didn't know that yeah so she comes up and she calls him neo and he's like how do you know that name he finds out who she is. She says Trinity, and he's like the Trinity, the one the, who the super big ultra hacker. Yeah, the super cool hacker person. <laughs> he starts to like fangirl over her. Yeah, but and also she's all like stoic. That was a long time ago. Yeah, and he's like, oh, 
I thought you were a guy. And I like this line because she's like, yeah, most guys do. <laughs> well, and she's referencing uh, that it was a really long time ago because, again, he thinks it's 1999, but it's not. It's- yeah, they never really address how time works here. Was that like a couple days ago for her, but it was like three years ago in the matrix or was it like a couple days ago in the matrix, but it was like three years ago for her in real life. I don't know. I know that the span of the film, the timeline was the span of 18 months. Yeah. It was like 19, 18, 19 months. Yeah. Just based on long time stamps, a long exhausting time to be in a battle. Yeah. But you can also just like unplug and go to sleep. (laughs) It's like playing a video game. You want to go night, night. (laughs) Well, then his, she mentions the matrix. Right. She says, you're, you're looking for Morpheus and it's the question. He's like, can you know the question? And then his alarm clock rings and he wakes up. Like yeah, the scene disappears. Yeah. He's late for work. Another sign that he's doesn't fit in here. But he thinks he's dreaming at this point that these are all dreams. Um, I didn't get that. Or I thought it was just a jump cut because there was nothing left to show in the club. I think he thinks he's dreaming because then later on when that thing happens, he's like, that thing that was one, real. That definitely, <laughs> that definitely was supposed to feel like a dream to him. And then his boss is like a total dick. We we were talking and we were like, uh, the days where your boss could talk to you however the hell they wanted without HR getting involved. Yeah. <laughs> the boss was so brutal to him. Yeah. But the boss also makes a couple comments that are indicative of they're foreshadowing, I guess, for where the film's going to go because he's talking to him and he says, you you believe that you're special, that somehow the rules don't apply to you. They don't. They don't, actually. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. here. And he calls him Mr. Anderson, so we know yeah. that that's his real name. Yeah. What was the other thing that I saw? Oh, that the name of the company that he works for is called is Metacortex, which translated basically means like transcending the boundaries of the brain, which is what he's about to do. And that is what I mean by they were intentional with every little thing. Everything. I'm sure his boss was Mr. Reinhardt, and I'm sure that that probably probably means something too, but I didn't look into it. The Wachowskis, I'd like to take a look into their brains because they have a whole world built on this series. Yeah. I mean, have you? I haven't seen it in a very long time, but the Animatrix. I've never seen it. It's a compilation of a bunch of different animations kind of like expanding the universe of the matrix and some of it's like anime some of it is some other different animation types and stuff that's pretty cool i've never seen it but we could definitely put on the list i would be interested in watching that yeah i remember seeing it at blockbuster all the time and i don't think i ever rented it your age is showing (laughs) (laughs) and a cell phone's delivered yeah another thing in the in his the scene with his boss was this is where this is the start of neo being presented with two very clear options throughout the movie so his boss actually says you can either show up to work on time or you can find another job and he has to make a choice and then and then he he's like okay i'll be here and then he goes back to his cubicle. I noticed his computer wasn't even on. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, damn, I made the wrong decision. I should yeah. have quit my job. Yeah. So he's just like sitting in this cubicle. And it's almost like, I don't know, it kind of gave me vibes because he, the way he's sitting at the desk and looking at a computer screen that isn't even on kind of gave me like NPC vibes in like a video <laughs> game. It's like we're not watching them, so they're not doing anything kind of thing. <laughs> That's funny. And I don't know if that was like intentional or 
well, not. It, Springs, right? He's not sitting at his desk long before things hit the fan. Right. Yeah. Well, we don't know how long he's sitting at the desk, but he's sitting at the desk when we see him and immediately a package is delivered and it's got a phone in it. A Nokia. Like Stiletto. Old, like... I looked it up. The The spring-loaded phones that they have were the stiletto. I'm pretty sure if the cell phone hadn't been invented by then, the Wachowskis would have invented them themselves in this yeah. film. Yeah. But anyway. They were definitely not. Those were super advanced phones for 1999. They were. I think about it and I'm like, they're brains. Just, yeah. it, I'm very impressed by their creativity, especially with this film and yeah. how it's still relatable today. Yeah. And their phone rings as soon as he gets it in and his hand. And who is it? It's Morpheus. Morpheus. Played by? <laughs> Don't freaking ask me that. He's played by Lawrence Fishburne. Yes. But they also... Do you know who cons- they considered? Samuel L. Jackson? And uh, Gary Oldman. Yeah, but the reason I'm Samuel L. Jackson stuck out to me is because I feel like the Marvel films have taken a lot of little pieces from this film. Oh, yeah. Specifically the fact that when you think about it, Nick Fury is a very similar to Morpheus. Yeah. For the Avengers. Can you imagine Samuel L. Jackson in this movie, though? Which, which pill, motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> I think they casted it perfectly, but I oh, yeah. I just think it's really funny. When I was watching this, I saw that Marvel took a lot of things. Even the way Agent Smith speaks is pretty similar in terms of his mouth and what he does with mm-hmm. his voice to how Thanos speaks as a villain. Oh, and I, I don't know if that. they ripped off this movie, but I just saw a lot of similarities that... Well, this movie became like a huge inspiration for I know every so many things. I'm thinking about the bullet scene that's bullet used in a scene. bunch yeah. of action films. Yeah. After I think, this film, I think came I out. read that by it was like a year later or something, the bullet time thing had already been copied or spoofed in like 14 movies. Well, also, was this was this film released in theaters? Yeah. OK, because I couldn't find anything on that. It looked like it just went straight to. No, it was it was definitely in theaters. OK, we just um, weren't allowed to go see it. Probably not. It was that was me circling back, but <laughs> so on the phone, Morpheus knows exactly Everything where he is. Going he on. knows yeah. he is telling him what to do. He warns him that they're coming, and this is the funny part: is Neo starts asking him a bunch of questions, and he's like, "Just look at the elevator. Like, slowly get up, right. pop your head who's, over." Who's coming? Just look for and yourself. And he sees the agents, and he ducks down, and then Morpheus starts to tell him how to how to get out, how to escape, yeah. and on the phone he neo is asking like a million questions and i actually saw this fun fact that said that in the first 45 minutes of the film half of neo's dialogue is questions and i think he spoke some 80 lines so 44 of them were questions that's cool so for some reason i felt compelled to look up how many questions toddlers ask in a day i don't know why (laughs) but toddlers ask 300 questions in a day on average oh wow and so he's not quite there yet. He's not quite there yet, but I just thought it, I was like, I wonder how many questions a toddler asks in a day. But yeah, so for the first 45 minutes of the film, more than almost more than half his dialogue is questions. So uh, he's asking a bunch of questions. Morpheus is very patient. Right. But also at some point says, we don't have time for this now or we'll have time later or something like that. And then he tells him to go outside and scale the building. Yeah. He's like, there's... This is another one of the choices that Neo is presented with right before Morpheus hangs up. He said there are two ways out of here. The scaffolding are in their custody. 
I would have gone in their custody. I'm afraid of heights. Yeah. I honestly wouldn't have even made it out onto the ledge because I would have fainted and fallen down the building. <laughs> so actually, there's a third way, death. <laughs> That's true. Falling he did have another death. one. <laughs> and another way out, I guess. But they capture him because he, he doesn't. Right. He starts to go out and then he like drops his phone and he's like, this is crazy. I'm going to die. And so he goes back inside and then he's gonna die. He, gets a, he gets arrested or taken into custody. I don't know. Where they question him. Yeah. And they know his hacker name, too. Right. Well, he no, he calls him Mr. Anderson, but I think he, he knows. Call, he calls him Mr. Anderson, but this is when they have him in the interrogation room with his file or whatever. And they are saying, you're living two lives. One, you're Thomas A. Anderson, a computer programmer for a reputable software company. And the, in the other one, you, are, you go by the hacker alias Neo, who is guilty of almost virtually every crime there's a law for computer wise yes agent smith also mentioned something that i thought was really interesting it was again another very deliberate line was when he's talking about the two lives that neo is living he says one of these lives that lives has a future the other does not and Which they're he talking about? yeah exactly they're kind of implying that his normal life where he's a programmer for, at a company is the one with the future but we learn differently. And then what do they do? This is the so worst then, scene for me. Yeah, he's like... Well, I, one of them. He's like, I know my rights. You can't threaten me. I'm not scared of all this Gestapo shit or whatever he says. He says, how, how about I show you my middle yeah. finger? <laughs> he's like, how about I give you the finger and you give me my phone call? <laughs> it's like, how juvenile. <laughs> and then, yeah, this scene was... This is, like I was saying, very like horror elementy where he's like, what good is a phone call if you can't speak? And then his mouth melts together. Well, I didn't even realize this film was rated R. Oh, yeah. So I was like, what's happening? And then they bring out that insect-like thing yeah. that burrows into his belly button. <laughs> Barf. I couldn't. I was like, <laughs> and then he jolts awake. Yeah, and then he shoots up and he's like, oh, it was just that was a weird dream. Oh, my God. But yeah, it, of course, we're watching this and it's making us all uncomfortable, though. Yeah. We didn't get to wake up from that nightmare. And then he runs into Trinity again. And this is where we meet Switch and Apoc. And I forget, did I write down who they were acted by? Yes, Belinda McClory was Switch and Julian Arahenga <laughs> was Apoc. <laughs> I don't know. They like relatively small parts, actually. But they they're part of the the, good the guys. resistance group. They're part of Morpheus's crew. Yeah. And they go to an old room. This is it the same old well, room? Well, first they are in the car and they have to like debug oh, yeah, they, him. They debug him and it's gross. Yeah. A fun fact in this scene, when they stop the car and switch is giving him like another choice, our way or the highway, she calls him copper top. Which I never got. Battery. Yeah. It's old like slang for a Duracell battery, which as we come to find out, he is currently a battery for the machines. Mm -hmm. And the copper top is also the same battery that Morpheus holds up when he's explaining <laughs> that it to That scene him. is kind of funny though. Yeah. So anyways, they debug him with this like machine that like sucks it out of his stomach and he's like, holy shit, that thing's real. Ugh. That yeah, part was and gross. That part was almost a little bit worse. Yeah, it's like covered in like the strawberry <laughs> well, jello looking stuff. Well, what's funny is 
when it's actually burrowing into his belly button, it looks like insect-like. But then when they throw it out into the street, it really just looks like an antenna. <laughs> well, that's what it looked like when Agent Smith pulled it out of... Oops, sorry. I just hit the table. When Agent Smith pulls... You guys are going to hear that. Yeah, sorry. When <laughs> Agent Smith pulls it out of his like little... It looks like a cigarette case. It, it looks does, like that, but then, and then it, starts... it morphs. Yeah. yeah, but I just thought it was funny because it doesn't look as scary when it's thrown out into the rain. Yeah. And then the light goes out and it, they they lost him. So then they take him to meet Morpheus. And this is where How he's... do those sunglasses stay on his face? I don't know, man. <laughs> Did you know all of the sunglasses in the movie were like custom made for each character? Yeah. And actually, they the like actors fl- couldn't go out in public with sunglasses on because they got recognized. They got recognized with the sunglasses? With sunglasses in general. People could recognize their faces. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. So he gets debugged. He's taken to Morpheus. Morpheus kind of offers him (laughs) the red pill versus blue pill. Oh, my gosh. I just, I'm thinking about Scary Movie 3. (laughs) I haven't seen that one in so long. But it's, it makes a parody of this film. And so it just makes me laugh because all of these scenes, I just think about how Scary Movie made fun of them. Well, okay. So he tells him, if you select the blue pill, you'll wake up again. You'll be at home. You won't have any memories of this. But if you take the red pill, you go down further down the rabbit hole and you learn the truth. Yes. I thought it was interesting that um, they interviewed the Wachowskis. Yes, I was going to this. <laughs> yeah. And they both said that they would have taken the blue pill. Which pill would you have taken? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I want to say I would have taken the red pill, but I, I would have know. taken the red pill. And then I would have learned nothing about Kung Fu. I would have been like, <laughs> can you teach me how to cook? Even though you can't. Can you teach me how to do my taxes? <laughs> can you teach me everything about medicine? Oh, my gosh. Little random things like that. Yeah. I was watching a YouTube video and they were talking about these ghosts and how they always ask them to do stupid stuff. And I don't know. Your comment made me think of it she's like why don't we have ghost be like ghost if you're here can you show me by doing the dishes (laughs) (laughs) instead of like push this ball (laughs) close the door Uh, that's because we're so (laughs) simple-minded ghost show me you're here by vacuuming my living room (laughs) (laughs) do my chores for me and he chooses the red pill right and so we're about to see how deep the rabbit hole goes. Ugh, this scene was also unnerving. I was <laughs> like, scene? I felt like I was on drugs when I was watching this scene because I was like, what is happening? There's yeah. a lot to unpack in this next scene because the mirror liquefies. Yeah, like it's broken and yeah. then it like fixes itself, but it's also kind of liquid and Neo's like, what the heck's going on? So he, And he touches it. Yeah. Dumbass. Weird. <laughs> Why like, would you? I would nope, not I'm touch out. something that was... There's a lot of like weird technology, but it all kind of seems like like the auto phone dialer thing is, I don't know. There's a lot of interesting like attention to detail things that were so detailed that I didn't even pay attention to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought this was interesting. His passport eerily expires on September 11th, 2001. Oh, which I didn't catch that. Which obviously this came out in 1999. So it's, it just was an eerie coincidence that yeah. it expires on that date. Yeah. Wow. I didn't catch that. They're magic. They're magic. The Wachowskis, they predict- I told, let's take them and study them for science. <laughs> <laughs> but he 
the world dissolves and then he panics and he wakes up naked and hairless in a vat of like yeah this, this weird, was like jelly like this substance. was the scene that messed with me as a kid i hate <laughs> it like i would this was like okay time to go to the bathroom or time to go get more <laughs> popcorn or something like i would use this scene because i hated it it was Ew. so like dark and it was gross yeah, I mean, it doesn't just, bother me as much now. I've seen it so many times. It just but... looks like he's in a vat of boogers. <laughs> like, it the so the goo that he wakes up in kind of looks like the goo that the bug had on it. I don't know if that was intentional. It all just kind of looks like liquidy jello. Ugh. And he looks around and there are similar vats with people in them. Yeah. Like millions and millions of them. And then these like flying robot insect things drill uh, uh, this part they like unplug him yeah yeah uh, wait what my notes are weird <laughs> sorry <laughs> his cliff's notes are weird yeah but then like all the the whatever the, the substance tubes and stuff drains and he slides down he's like flushed down the toilet <laughs> basically <laughs> it is like a toilet he's just and then he a, falls into a pit of water it's just a pale bald turd and then he gets like <laughs> like like the claw machine he comes down and grabs him like the a toy claw. Ooh, the claw it comes and gets him yeah and then he like wakes up and morpheus is there and he asks if he's dead and he can't like open it. his eyes and stuff and yeah he asks why his eyes hurt he says because you've never used them before and your muscles have atrophied and so they're trying to rebuild build them this scene again was, this is when they finally start taking the needles out is when I was finally okay with this movie again as a kid. Cause <laughs> that scene where he's got all the needles in him and he like twitches and all the needles shake always freaked me out. So you basically had it timed perfectly in your head, how long you needed to go mm -hmm. away for. <laughs> yep. So for a good chunk of my life watching this movie, I didn't know about any of the, like you've never used your eyes before and stuff. Cause I skipped that part. <laughs> Well, it makes sense. It's basically like he's been in a coma. Yeah, yeah. Which coma patients can't usually just stand up out of bed and start doing a dance like right. Grandpa Joe and Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what was with the muscle atrophy there? <laughs> and so he wakes up and he's better. And Morpheus tells him the year is actually 20. They think it's 2199. Right. Because he wakes up and he says, where am I? And he said, the better question is when. Yeah. And he's like, it, you think it's 1999, but it's, it's actually, actually closer, closer to, to you know 2199. And yeah. we're not really sure how much time has passed. Yeah. Which is like, do they just like stop keeping? Well, I guess they don't see the sun, so they don't know how long. I don't know. I guess I can see if everything's underground and stuff, then they would eventually lose track. Well, and this is when lighting's important. Yeah. Because they obviously used blue and green light or mm -hmm. blue and green coloring to differentiate between the real world and the yeah, matrix they pulled all the blue out of the matrix to make it more bleak Ugh, what a world with no blue yeah which is funny because blue is probably the least realistic color out there uh yeah i guess so it's the what is it the longest or the shortest wavelength and that's why the sky appears blue here we go down a rabbit hole of science <laughs> yeah. our yeah. listeners are like you guys are freaking boring <laughs> Get to it. Get to okay. the story. So anyways, Morpheus takes him into the construct, which is like their loading program. So this is not the Matrix, but it is 
they they are in a computer. The Nebuchadnezzar. Yes, this, they. That's Morpheus's ship. Rita had to make sure she got that word out because she was worried she wasn't going to be able to say it. <laughs> yeah, because it's spelled well. It's a biblical reference. Yes, Nebuchadnezzar was a king who conquered Jordan, I think. And he had a dream that was part of it was he had a dream that he couldn't remember, but he kept constantly searching for answers. So, well, and in Greek mythology, actually, Morpheus is the god of dreams. Yes, that too. Yeah. So, <laughs> except it's funny because he's awakening people from their <laughs> dreams and giving them reality. So, yeah, he's the anti-Morpheus. He's the anti-Morpheus. <laughs> So they go into the the construct and this is where Morpheus explains to him kind of like what happened with the world and how humans created AI and the AI eventually determined that humans were, were a threat to them and so a war kind of broke out and then somebody scorched the sky because that was the sun was the machine's power source and that was how they were going to kill them which now that I'm saying it, when he's like, we don't know if it was them or us, but it sounds like it would have been the humans. <laughs> <laughs> humans ruin everything. Yeah. So they try to like block out the sun so that the machines won't have a power source. And the machines are like, joke's on you, bitch. You're the power source. <laughs> yeah. We are not here for the sun. Yeah. So they turn humans into a power source. And this is where we find out that that's what Neo is waking up from, was he was a battery. And specifically, those agents are, they're, yes. the, they're the, are they the robotic entities? That's what it's hinting at, is that they're... No, well, I think it's like, it's like a hive mind kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's all a computer, but the agents are the gatekeepers. So they're like the antivirus and the people that are coming, the freed people who are coming into the matrix are like the viruses. And so that's why they're after them. They want to kill them all. They want to kill them all because they're they're not plugged in right so but that's in a different one that's in the the where they load into the girl in the red dress mm -hmm. thing and yeah so he tells him humans are kept sedated and mm -hmm. they're living a virtual life so his life you know now it's confirmed the life he was living before as the successful computer programmer was fake right and then it was all part of the simulation to feed off of him essentially right and neo rejects this information he starts freaking out he wigs out. He wigs yeah, out. Yeah, he wigs out. The plugs at the back of their heads just make me so uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I'm just like, oh, I didn't have to be. It's literally like a plug. Yeah, but it's like a big needle. <laughs> I can't. It made my <laughs> neck crawl. Like, yeah. So anyways, the, he, 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 comes he wakes out. up in bed back on Morpheus. Well, he wakes up and he like freaks out and then he passes out. And then he's on Morpheus' ship and... He explains that one man was born into the Matrix with the power to change anything in it. And this man is like the person who freed the first human minds. And th this person called the Oracle has prophesied the return of the one. Right. And Morpheus believes Neo is the reincarnation of the one. Right. And he's which like, he's like, I can't. Neo go. is. Yeah. What? <laughs> when you rearrange the letters. <gasps> one. Yes. Here he is. Eon. <laughs> Which, so circling back to that part where he opens up the door for the clients to give them that hacking program, mm -hmm. the guy says, You're you're my lifesaver, you're my literal Jesus Christ. So obviously this is another biblical reference to the right. fact that the one who's gonna save the world 
is Neo, Jesus, all those references. Yeah. We also, there's a scene when he's walking through the ship, when he's getting introduced to everybody, there's the, the ship is the Nebuchadnezzar and it's like the Mark three eleven or something like that. And Mark three eleven is a reference to a quote in the Bible. And I don't, I didn't write down, I was really lazy and I didn't write down the quote, but it's basically about when he walks in front of people who are possessed by evil spirits, they fall to their knees and say, you're the son of God or something like that. Yeah. So very biblical movie. Yes. Obviously. And that's what's funny is that in film, it's not funny, it's interesting. In film, the story of Jesus Christ is so compelling. It's used over and over in multiple film franchises. Right. I mean, you think to Star Wars, you think to Harry Potter, all of those things where... It was the original chosen one story. <laughs> yes, it was. And it's just interesting how it's used over and over and still such an intriguing story for us. Yeah. I mean, you think about all these films and how timeless they've become and how everybody falls in love with that story of a hero who dies for the good of humanity. Right. And that's how life has been built for us is that there's a hero that's going to come save us and sacrifice themselves. Yeah. And he meets Tank, who (laughs) Tank's kind of like a glorified call center rep. (laughs) (laughs) He's the operator. Yeah. He he is the operator. So he's the one (laughs) who's on the other end of that phone when Trinity gets transported back right he's the one who sets that up he's their he's their connection while they're in the matrix he can download programs for them and (laughs) give them schematics of the building and information and stuff and neo notices that he doesn't have any plugs on him like any places to plug in and so he says he was born in his homeland of zion which is the only city of free humans left yeah the last human city underground near the near the warmth of the earth's core yeah and tank is played by marcus chong which i thought was interesting he's like african-american i want to say chinese that's really i think he's a his mother was like chinese american he's like native american he's got all this stuff going on he's actually my favorite character in the film really i think he's the he has the best lines and he he really is the he's the mvp yeah and Neo begins training with Tank. This part made me laugh. It was kind of cheesy. Where he's like, I know Kung I know Fu. Kung Fu. <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like, I'm going to learn jujitsu. <laughs> and so, which is so funny. So I watched that scene. And then later on when he's doing all the fighting sequences, I was like, how did he learn all this so quickly? And I was like, oh, wait. Yeah. He was also at it for 10 hours, if you don't remember. That's Morphe- still pretty quick when you think of how many years people train in jujitsu and Kung Fu. Yeah. Oh, another fun fact. Did you know that the principal actors and actresses so probably morpheus neo and trinity trained for four months on martial arts for this movie they thought it was going to be a couple weeks and it ended up being four months and they did all their own stunts and this is also so impressive for this film is that it was such a labor of love in the fact that keanu reeves had to have neck surgery because he was paralyzed his vertebrae were fusing together essentially and so he had to have neck surgery oh i didn't know that carrie ann what was her name? Carrie Ann Moss. Carrie Ann Moss. I almost said Carrie Ann Fisher. <laughs> Carrie Ann Moss injured her ankle, but didn't tell them until after filming because she thought she was going to get replaced. Also, Hugo Weaving had like some kind of like mass on his leg that he had to have surgery for. And they actually rearranged the filming schedule so that he his fight scenes were at the end. And then I read that Lawrence Fishburne also had a hip injury. 
So all these people were freaking, this (laughs) film was a labor of love. They all were physically injured. And that's what's impressive about the film. You can see it in the film. Yeah, you you can like tell when a movie like is made for the money and there's no heart in it. And then you can tell in movies like this where everyone is in it for the right reasons. Like they just want to make like a quality product. Exactly. And Zach even mentioned that. He said, wow, this is probably one of the greatest films in terms of cgi and you just don't see that anymore it's almost like as our i don't know as our resources have gotten better it's almost like we've gotten lazier with the cgi oh yeah i watched a video talking about is cgi getting worse because i think that there were a lot of movies coming out around this time that they had budgetary constraints and so they didn't have the ability they didn't have the re- the same resources and so they were forced to innovate and like come up with stuff on their own to make these things work it's the same with like jurassic park and jaws and using the animatronics and then cgi when they absolutely had to it allows the movie to survive mm-hmm. in my opinion the over-reliance on cgi that we have now i think cheapens movies honestly yeah. it, it's so expensive but it's still in terms of the quality of the movie i think it makes it cheaper and it doesn't last you can even see it as early as the second matrix movie right there was so much cgi and it doesn't look as good it doesn't look as good it's probably a lot easier to do something like that versus all the work that goes so i think to you know the fact that we just watched dante's peak and how much it scares the shit out of me but it's because they used cgi when they had to and they worked really hard to make it look realistic whereas if you watch the film on pompeii it honestly doesn't look as scary because there's the one with Jon Snow. Yes. I haven't, I think I saw that once and never went back to it. But it yeah. really isn't it doesn't compare to something like that because back then they were forced to really make things look realistic and a lot of these films worked hard at that and The Matrix is a perfect example of that. Yeah, and it was the same for horror movies and stuff where when they the corn syrup <laughs> the corn syrup or just things like if they didn't have the budget to really make the monster look the way that they wanted it to then they, that would lead to them making obscuring the monster more or showing it less often which in turn made the movie scarier yeah and then things like the thing the original one uh-huh. is so good because of all of the practical effects and and stuff compared to the new one which i think is the new one's still pretty good but it's got a lot more cgi and it's they don't they don't overdo it but still it, there's a reason that those movies are classics well because i feel a lot of remakes of films as well specifically horror films the horror films from the 80s you just can't beat them right and the big thing with that is because of the effects then they've been remade with the cgi and everything and it's just gore porn right that's what they've turned it into and it's also just like these movies that were coming out originally were all like original ideas and they were a labor of love and they were something that like this director wanted to tell this story and now it's like why are we doing this what is the purpose of remaking this movie or making the saw 18 or whatever (laughs) do you have a new story to tell or are you just trying to milk it for all it's worth kind of thing which is this film is truly has never been able to be recreated no it's yeah the concept has never been yes the true story of the you know the the biblical references have been done again yes but other than that yeah i mean there is a fourth one coming out 
I don't know if I, I don't really, know if I'm gonna watch it. I'm I'm gonna watch it for sure, but I don't know. I just we'll said see. that on this podcast. People are like, the fuck do you do? <laughs> you don't watch movies. You don't watch movies. So yeah, I I will probably watch it, but I'm really hoping that it's just because the Wachowskis have like more story to tell, and not just because they're like, well, we don't really know what else to do. As long as it sticks true to, I prefer them to have a million concepts in their mind versus trying to catch up with the world and make up new concepts. Yeah. Like I said, I just hope that it's because they were like, we have more story to tell in this world with these characters rather than like, I think we should make another movie. And so they're kind of forcing it. I just hope it's, I hope it's not Is that. Is Keanu going to be in it? I think so. Oh, cool. Yeah. I think they're all coming back. I love his little comeback. Oh, I think Morpheus is not going to be in it. Ugh. And we found out that apparently in the Matrix Online video game, he dies. And mm-hmm. they decided a while ago that that was Spoiler canon. alert. Oh, yeah, he doesn't die in this movie. He does not die in this movie. <laughs> he almost dies. Well, and then Morpheus talks to Neo and tells him he can show Neo the door, but Neo will have to open it himself. So he kind right. of speaks well, in. So he does all the like training where he learns Kung Fu. And then Morpheus is like, show me. So they have a, a fight scene and... Which is in the lighting in it, they said was yellow, yeah. which was a different, just a completely different world. So it was neither in the, the reality or the real world. It or, was in the construct. It was in the, yeah, the it was loading in this, program. I don't know. It's so interesting in this film because obviously Morpheus is trying, wants to wake people up and he wants to get them out of the matrix but then he also has a simulation where they go into to essentially practice and do all of these other things so it's almost like a third world he also mentions to neo that he's sorry for waking him up so late in oh yeah age because he says it's typically dangerous to do something like that but it's because he believes he's the one yeah because typically once they reach a certain age then it's like their mind has a hard time comprehending the change as we can see that's what's happening with neo right now right so Morpheus kind of explains the things about it's a it's a computer program some rules can be bent others can be broken and you have to understand that and kind of know that you are in a computer program and it's not the real world so that's kind of the difficulty in with people learning these kinds of things is just like grasping and we see this later when he goes to see the oracle and the kid makes that quote again I'll say what that kid reminds me of later. Oh, I think I know probably, but yeah. So they, they're fighting. And one thing I wondered during this scene was like, can Neo fight like that in real life? Or is this like a video game where you like learn a skill and you're just like pushing a button and doing it? I don't know, but the Keanu Reeves was really good at doing the Kung, kung Fu yeah. and jujitsu poses. Yeah. And so Actually, really just interesting aside is that another person that was considered for the role of Neo was Brandon Lee. Oh, Bruce Lee's son. But yeah. he tragically died filming for The Crow. The Crow, which and is another really good movie. It is, but so it's good. just interesting that they want a martial arts family to basically do this. Yeah. He actually had a, a reference to Bruce Lee when he before he starts fighting where he like... Yeah, the nose thing. Yeah, the nose thing. Keanu Reeves actually improvised that part. Yeah, I did... I did read that too. That was pretty cool. What a cool guy. He's a cool guy. Um, so then after the fight scene, we also go to the jump program, I think, mm-hmm. where he tries to tell Neo to parkour. Free your mind. And then he Free jumps. your mind. And then we get the the classic Keanu Reeves. Whoa. <laughs> 
he actually is a very he's very good at the stoic actor yeah not he doesn't his voice doesn't really go up in decibels yeah. at all john wick great it's just about where you cast him <laughs> exactly and he has to jump from the top of one skyscraper to another and no one has i guess the bravery to succeed on a first jump well it's like like we were talking about that you have to accept that this is not the real world and you can do things that and so it being so early on in his training or whatever it hasn't been very long since he's been woken up it's he's still having a hard time wrapping his brain around it and he falls he fails and the crew hopes that he will succeed on the first jump because he is the one but he doesn't and he doesn't so this whole time it's kind of it's a testament to the fact that the crew is the only person who's completely sure that he's the one is Morpheus. Right. The rest of the crew is still skeptical. Trinity's skeptical and Neo himself is skeptical. Yes. So it's really interesting because you see the disappointment and when they're talking about the agents and all of that, you learn that there have been plenty of people who have come up against these agents who have died right. in the process. So they're going into it a little skepticism. Right. This is also where we establish our stakes because Neo wakes up after failing the jump and his lips bleeding. And <laughs> he's he's like, I thought it wasn't real. He's like, your mind makes it real, which eh, I don't confusing. know how that works. But I know I'm like, that's confusing, <laughs> but OK. I don't know how my mind would make my lip bleed, but and but it does establish stakes. Like we know that if they were to die in the Matrix, they die in real life. Yes, exactly. And. Another training program shows that the agents work as part of the matrix and can transform themselves into anyone. Right. They aren't everyone, but they could be anyone. Exactly. So Morpheus says you have to be careful. You can't trust anything in the matrix. Right. Even things that look harmless. I mean, in one of the later scenes, a homeless man is one of the agents turns right. into the homeless man or yeah. whatever, takes over the homeless man. Right. Um, and he that's when he explains no one's defeated the agents, but he hints to the fact that Neo is going to have to fight them eventually. Yes. And then I think it's pretty close to after this scene where Cypher is explaining to him, he's like, Ugh. he's like, you're the one, but I think you should do what everyone else does when they see an agent run. Like, don't try to fight the him. one piece of advice that Cypher gives. That's good. Yeah. He's gross. Until it's not. Well, that's another biblical reference. You know, later on, Cypher yeah. plays a biblical character. Yeah. And Cypher was played by Joe Pantoliano. 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 That's yeah. Italian. Yeah, very Italian. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the real world, those robotic sentinels, which they call squiddies, is that what they yeah. call them? Come after the ship. But they only call them squiddies in this, like, this one scene. time. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and then for the rest of the time, they're the Sentinels. Yeah, and they look like, I don't know. Like they, squids. They do look like squids. Yeah. And they can detect like electricity from humans. Yeah. And so this is where we learn that the EMP or electromagnetic pulse is really their only weapon against it. But they can't fire it off while people are plugged into the Matrix. Because they'll go down with it. Yeah. Which is interesting because it also, you know, the only function for the Sentinels is to destroy. Yeah. So it's kind of like, what a one-track mind for these things that are supposed to be superior to humans. 
they're oh, just yeah, yeah they're just ser- search and destroy and get more energy. But I guess that's why humans are overcome because we like to get enjoyment out of our lives. Which it also, you know, what they eat. No, none of the food is real. Oh, in the Matrix. Yeah. And in the real world, they eat this goop. Big <laughs> that's old rice bol- pudding. Big old bowl of snot. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's another thing that would be really hard for me is to not have enjoyable foods. Clearly, my foods are going to be my downfall if I'm ever. In <laughs> You're a like, give me that blue pill. <laughs> I need chips. <laughs> I need chips and French fries. Yes, and then we learn that Cipher is working with the agents. He has like a meeting in a restaurant where he's talking to them about getting plugged back into the Matrix, and they're going to reintegrate his mind and. I know the steak isn't real. It's also like rare as shit. Yeah. But anyway. And his Matrix name is Reagan. Uh, I don't. Cypher? Mm hmm. I don't know. He has a different name in the Matrix. Oh. I thought he was just Cypher. I don't remember. He answers to his Matrix name. Agent Smith calls him like Reagan. Oh. Oh, like his. Yeah. And he promises to deliver Morpheus to Agent Smith, which. Right. There's Judas. Yeah. What did Judas do? Nothing. He just got Jesus killed. (laughs) (laughs) That reminds me of that meme about Judas where he's like, the man that I kiss is Jesus. They're like, you could just point him out. (laughs) He's like, don't, I don't tell you how to do your job. (laughs) So Cypher's not really getting anything out of this. He just is a dick. Right. He he just just doesn't want to live in the real world anymore. He's just miserable in the real world. He wants to. And the promise is that they're going to put him back into the Matrix because the other thing Morpheus mentions is that once you're plugged out of the Matrix and you're plugged into reality, you You can't go back. back. Yeah. But I I thought this was really funny when he's talking about um, I want to be somebody important like an actor. (laughs) (laughs) You end up being important, but. Yeah. You're also expendable. Yeah. So then Neo's taken to see the Oracle. This is where kind of where Cypher's plan starts to play out. We see when he's getting into the car, he opens up a phone for them to track and drops it in the trash so that the agents know where they are and like what's going on. Mm-hmm. Fucking Cypher. Yeah. So. Oh, and what does a Cypher do? Uh, it encrypts something. Mm-hmm. So it's. Yeah. There we go. The intentional thing. Is that thing. right? I just guessed. <laughs> well, a cipher, a cipher is something that you use to crack crack a code or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. Okay. Kind of, remember in the prestige? Yeah. He uses a cipher to crack the diary. Right, right. It's like a key. Yes. And he, they get to the Oracle's house, which is just like. An apartment complex yeah. or something. And there are a bunch of kids in the living room the potentials the other potentials and they they're like telekinetic prodigies yeah they're like floating blocks around the room and then this one kid is bending spoons and that's what i mean by marvel took another page out of this book i like i said you know i'm not i don't think the director specifically did but there are a lot of parallels to the marvel universe and the fact that that young monk Mm -hmm. is like the ancient one in dr strange Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. See, that's not what I thought you were going to say when yeah, I was like, I think I know what you're talking about. What? I thought he was just like, oh, he's like a Buddhist monk. So it was kind of another religious no, reference. It, she looks like a young ancient one. Oh my gosh. I bet you there's something out there that's like the Marvel world and the Matrix world are it's all the, one. It's the same world. Yeah. Because think about the monsters too. Thanos's monsters look like Sentinels. 
Yeah, I can see that actually. But also there's the scene where the kids are like floating the blocks towards each other, which kind of made me think of the scene where we first see Scarlet Witch. Yes. Where Mm -hmm. she's like floating stuff. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's really wild. Yeah, there's a lot. Stanley, you done ripped off. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't do it. The Oracle. Don't throw shade at Stanley. So this is the part where Scary Movie 3, I think, makes fun of it because, you know, the Oracle sits down and the chair the leather chair makes the sound and she's like, it was the chair. And she's, <laughs> and the Oracle sits down. She's like, yes, the chair. <laughs> but the Oracle's smoking a cigarette and she. Well, we also, this is where the kid, the little oh yes. chosen one kid gives Neo some advice where he's like, don't try to bend the spoon. That's impossible. Only try to realize the truth. He's like, the truth. That you're bending your mind. No, there is no spoon. Then you will realize it is not the spoon that bends. It is only yourself. I should also probably mention that like Hale plays this game. Hale's one of my good friends. <laughs> Hale loves this game where he will quote the Matrix and see if I know the next line because I almost have this whole movie memorized. Nerds. He thinks it's so funny. If he listens to this episode, he'll know we talked about him. Yeah. Don't tell him. Yeah. Hi, Hale. If, if you're, you're listening. listening. <laughs> So yes, so she walks, speaks. He walks in. He sees she has his back to him. She's yeah. She's like baking cookies, and she says, "You know, she." I love how she's like, "Just one second, almost done," and then she immediately takes them out and immediately starts talking to him. So I was like, "It wasn't a second, and they were done." <laughs> they were done, and she says, "You know, I know you're Neo," and then. I thought it was cool. She's like, don't worry about the vase. And he goes, what vase? And then yeah. he like knocks it over. And then she says like, he's like, sorry about the vase. She said, like, like I, I said, said, don't, don't worry, worry about, about it. it. And then she says, but what's really going to bake your noodle later yeah. is would you still have broken if that I hadn't said anything? <laughs> exactly. Which I'm like, that was my first thought when he knocks it over. I'm like, well, that's because she said something. Yeah. But I, I could probably recite this whole scene to you. She's like, you're cute. I can see why she likes you. Who? Another thing, because the Oracle doesn't just. The Oracle isn't just prophesizing the one coming and she's not figuring out if Neo's the one. The Oracle knows everyone in that reality's life and how yeah. it's going to end up. Yeah. She's another program, I think, is what they mm-hmm. is what we find out. And she tells him, you know, the sign, know thyself. Mm-hmm. Which is actually what it said above the Temple of Apollo at the Oracle at Delphi. So see intentional stuff. Yeah. But a little, it must be exhausting being in their mind. (laughs) A little, a little goof to that reference is that the Oracle at Delphi, it would have said it in Greek, not in Latin. So the only goof. Oh yeah. Out of all the things, but I'm sure there were other ones, but that was like a, and she tells him he's not the one. Right, he does like, she's like, I better take You're a look shit, at you. Boy. She's like looking in his mouth and in his eyes and in his ears. And he's like, this is where I say, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> you say, what's interesting? Yes. And so she says, looks like you're waiting for something. So exactly, not the which, one. Which I don't think she was telling him you're not the one. It's just you're not the one right now. Right. But also she has a quote earlier where she's like, being the one is like being in love. Nobody can tell you you're the one you just know. Right. And then so she tells if he him, he doesn't know then he's not the one. And she does tell him that he has to. So Morpheus is willing to give up his life for him. Right. And he's going to have to decide between Morpheus's life or his own. Right. And so he knows that. And then 
he notices the black hat. Right. They go and Morpheus is like, what she told you is just for you. You don't have to tell me. So then they're trying to get back out. They go to the building. They're walking up the stairs and Neo has deja vu. And Trinity's like, how much did the cat look like? It was it the same cat. He's like, I don't know. He's like, it's a glitch in the matrix. I don't know why I whispered that. (laughs) (laughs) Deja vu Uh, is a glitch in the matrix that usually happens when they change something. So now they they know that the agents are on to them. With Cypher's help. But they don't know that part. Right. They just know that that the agents are coming. And so Mouse gets killed, who he's the one who created the Lady in Red, but he's kind of a a small character. He's just another one of Morpheus's crew. He dies, and then they escape through the walls in like a bathroom or whatever. So they're like going down the walls and then the agents come. Cypher sneezes. Motherfucker. Motherfucker. So they know that they're in the wall. The agents start attacking they're them. In the they're, they're in the walls. They're in the walls. <laughs> and then the the agent is like grabbing onto Neo. So Morpheus breaks through the wall and starts fighting the agent to, to give Neo a chance to get away. And then he tells them to go. And this is so cute. I'm like, Morpheus, we don't deserve you. Where he's yeah. like, He's the only one that matters, Trinity. Just go. Yeah. So sad. So sad. he's like, we can't leave him. And she's like. We have no choice. Yep. And so they drop down. Well, she drags. She grabs his ankle. (laughs) And drags him down. Yeah. And then they're trying to get out. Cypher gets separated from their group. But Oh, what a coincidence. Yeah. And even as a kid, even in 1999, (laughs) when they're like, Cypher, come on. And he's just like, oh, I tripped. (laughs) It, It looks so fake. But he's just like, he's basically like just jumps on the ground and he's like, ah, I fell. <laughs> Such a faker. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, then we find out that Cypher made it out. There was a car accident. And so he gets pulled out. And then they're trying to get to this other phone to get them out. Neo was supposed to get out first, but the line goes dead. Because? Cypher is shooting him with the big laser gun. <laughs> <laughs> he kills. Well, he shoots Tank and Dozer. And, and we assume both of them are dead. Right. You assume both of them you are dead. You see that Dozer is dead. Yes, and then Cypher answers the phone when Trinity calls, mm-hmm. and he is all creepy up on our body. Yeah, this part like, really creeped me out. Yeah, he's—I mean, this—he's like full on evil mode. He's he's monologuing. <laughs> God, so that's he's telling, usually the what gets the villains in trouble, though. Yeah, you know, like in—it's literally a a joke in The Incredibles, where and, he's in like, the, and then he started monologuing. <laughs> the Walking Dead is classic for that yeah. with. What's his face? Negan. He goes yeah. on these long rants. So it's he goes on a long rant and says he's tired of living in reality. Yeah, he's get, he's working with the agents. He gave them Morpheus so that they could get the codes. He's going to get reintegrated in. And then he starts like unplugging people. He he does uh, APOC and Switch. And this is where we get the I classic, know. not like this. I know. And they, they die. And then he's like, if Neo really actually is the one, then... I wouldn't, you know, a miracle would have to happen for him to survive this because he's going to go unplug him. He's like, do you believe it, Trinity? She says, yes. He's like, no, it can't be. I don't believe it. And, and I always, I always love this. Yeah. Line. And then Tank's like, like, believe, believe it. Believe it or not, you piece of shit. You're still going to burn. And she kills him. him. Yeah. And yay, he saves Neo and Trinity. That's yeah. why I'm like. So they get out. But then they are trying to decide what to do about Morpheus because he's getting interrogated by the agents. They're giving him like this 
injected him with this like silver liquid i guess is like a truth serum kind of thing but essentially they're hacking him to reveal zion's access codes yeah because that's that's the last untouched place and they want to go that's that's their end game is they're trying to kill all of the like humans that are not in the matrix which like they're just trying to like live their lives what's your damage yeah seriously you need to go to therapy (laughs) (laughs) so as they're interrogating morpheus he's tough i mean he stays silent regardless of the serum and while this is happening tank essentially says we have to unplug him yeah because zion is more important than any of us yeah and trinity's like we can't and that's when neo's like i'll go back in no trinity's like about to do it she's like i don't want to but right but and then neo's like no and then he mentioned he tells them what the oracle said about him yeah that he's not the one but that he would have to choose between their lives and then well, this isn't the part where the we learn what the oracle told trinity this is no later. she's like she won't tell anybody i and know girl girl if you just said it then maybe he maybe. would come around yeah so neo's like i'm gonna go save him so he's getting ready to like load up and trinity's like i'm going with you and she's like i'm the ranking officer on the ship i've known morpheus longer he means more to me i'm going with you and then he's presented with another uh another option he can let her help or he can go to hell <laughs> pretty much i mean i was like you go girl yeah she's and like while this is happening you also learn from agent smith that a previous version of the matrix existed mm-hmm. which they tried to make it like a perfect utopia mm-hmm. but our brains our human brains can't comprehend humanity's definition of itself through misery and its inability to handle happiness was the reason yeah. it didn't work out yeah so the second intentionally which, flawed like, matrix was developed deep <laughs> That's some He's deep shit. He's a deep guy. No, I'm just the Wachowskis being like, now nah, we, we thrive on suffering. <laughs> Humans are the worst. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. But this was, uh, I was mentioning Neo being presented with choices. Another choice that he was given from the Oracle was his life or Morpheus's. So mm-hmm. there's like, throughout this whole story, Neo is constantly being presented with two clear choices and he needs to choose. Red pill, blue pill. Yeah, so I wrote Morpheus I wrote a couple of them down. I probably missed some, but he's like, show up to work or find another job, the scaffold or their custody, our way or the highway, blue pill versus red pill, his life versus Morpheus's life. And then at the end, he can run or he can fight. Mm-hmm. So they spring into action. They this get is, a bunch of firearms. Is, as a kid, this was like my favorite scene when he's like, what do you need? He's like, guns, lots of guns. Lots of guns. <laughs> and... Um, during this agent Smith describes his theory of humanity to Morpheus. And at this point, Morpheus is like beaten, bloody drugged. He's like, yeah. And we also learned that like agent Smith doesn't have the same goals as he, yeah, he he's a little bit two guys out. Yeah. He's a little bit different. He takes his like earpiece out, which I wonder if that's like him being like plugged into the matrix almost. It's a symbol of his like conformity to the, to mm-hmm. the program. So he takes the... And he removes his glasses too. He removes his glasses and he takes his earpiece out. And this is where he says like, I need I, hate, I need to get out. I hate the Matrix. Yeah, I want out. But it's like, is that a ruse? Like, is he trying to play good cop? Or is he actually trying to get out of the Matrix? He views I don't him, know. But he views himself as superior to it. And he wants Zion's access codes to destroy humanity and rid himself of the Matrix forever. Right. It's, he wants to end the Matrix. Mm-hmm. So... Meanwhile, while he's interrogating and everything, Neo and Trinity are having an 
epic action scene. This is oh one of gosh, the greatest yes. action scenes ever. The shootout in the the lobby where they're flipping around and shooting all kinds of shit. They're just fucking it up. Mm-hmm. And the two agents that are with Smith come back in and they're like, what are you doing? Yeah. And like he doesn't know. He doesn't know because his earpiece was out, but mm-hmm. they were trying to warn him that they were under attack. Yeah. On the top of the skyscraper because the helicopter pilots like we're under attack. And <laughs> yeah. And they're trying to save him, obviously. So they drop a bomb down an elevator shaft. This part's fucking cool. The part yeah. where they like drop he like shoots out. And what does he say in that scene? He says something right. There is no spoon. There is no spoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which just a scary scene. But anyways, they blow it up. <laughs> And the sprinklers come on, trenching the agents and Morpheus, which is kind of funny because they just stand there stoic like they don't yeah. even react. And then one of the agents shifts into the helicopter pilot's body and the epic showdown between him and Neo starts. Yeah. And this is where we get this. This scene is so iconic. And I don't think it's been done as great. No, as in the Matrix. there's no way. And so I remember reading. I remember watching the like behind the scenes stuff where they talked about how they did this scene, but then I, I didn't watch it again for this, which I definitely should have. But essentially they tried to create this scene with like dollies and tracks and they were trying to spin the dolly around them so fast to get the shot, but it kept like flying off the track and breaking. And so they had, they like ruined a bunch of dollies and stuff. So they ended up, because they wanted to do it like, quote unquote, the traditional way or like the old fashioned way, I think is what they said. And so they ended up using still photography where they had a bunch of cameras lined up in this like cylinder around Neo. And so they each of those took like pictures. And that's how we get the like circular shot around him is a oh, lot of it cool. is like still photos. That's really cool. And Actually. they made the sound effect of the bullets by tying bullets to strings and spinning it around. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. See, I mean, it's, again, a labor of love. They, yeah. they thought of every detail. They worked really hard on making sure it was and it was like believable. They, yeah, and they had budgetary. They had limits, and so they were forced to innovate. And in innovating, created one of the most recognizable scenes in film ever. Like, I mean, you see it in all the action films. You now. see it Someone in Someone dodging a bullet. How many bullets total does he dodge in that scene when the agent oh, shoots them at him? I don't I don't know. A lot. A lot. I mean, he's not his skills aren't perfect, so he gets nicked. Right. But uh just as the the agent standing over him ready to finish him off. Only human. Dodge and then this. Dodge <laughs> this and shoots him in the head. Yeah. But he shifts out of it before the body even falls down. Yeah. And so she's like, How did you do that? never seen somebody move so fast you move, you move like, like they do mm-hmm. so it's a reference he's getting closer to being like the a one. program kind of yeah then they steal the helicopter and this part's so funny because she calls tank and he's like yeah. what do you need and she's like i need a helicopter b212 helicopter yeah. flying program yeah she learns how to how to fly a helicopter in like Two seconds. That's why I said cool. he's the MVP because yeah. he is the reason that he's finding so skilled where the new phones are and he's finding where the building schematics and he's finding the program for fighting and all that kind of stuff. So they drive the helicopter to, okay, this part where Morpheus is and he, sh- you know, he takes the helicopter yeah, gun yeah. and shoots them. How is he missing Morpheus in this? 
He's just because it's he's just straight really skilled. Because <laughs> I mean, it is just straight fire into yeah. that place, and I'm like. This scene is not believable for that's the only one that's not believable for me. <laughs> the like, scenes where they're dodging bullets and stuff and suspending themselves in air, those are fine. Yeah, Don't because Miss Morpheus. <laughs> I mean, the way he's doing it, he's spraying yeah, the entire room. He is. So how I, he missed I think Morpheus? He was going like around him. I don't know. If any, <laughs> I don't think it's that accurate. So I think he probably would have hit him. But either way, you know, he empties it and the agents flee well like he, yeah bitches. he shoots agent smith and so his like whatever it's cool because the water's still falling from the sprinklers yeah and there's like lots of water on the ground so there's lots of splashing it's a really cool looking scene it's an intense scene that's for sure yeah and so they he like shoots the agents or like clears the room out basically and then morpheus breaks his handcuffs and he's coming to jump on the helicopter but he gets shot he gets shot in the the ankle or whatever which and these so. agents are fucking lazy so like he doesn't even go around the corner to shoot him he shoots him through the, through wall. the wall it's such lazy it's because he's running i mean you could get a visual on him just if you move over in the doorway dumbass yeah anyways so neo realizes that morpheus isn't gonna make it he can't make the jump and so he jumps out to to catch him and then they're suspended from the helicopter he's as... like got you or something like yeah that. And then as they're flying off, one of the agents shoots the helicopter. And so it's going down. Trinity's flying it. They get over a building and he drops Morpheus safely. And then he's still like strapped to the helicopter that's crashing. He's dragged like a rag doll. <laughs> yeah. So he, yeah. So he decides he's going to like save Trinity. So he like catches her. She grabs the rope and shoots it and swings out. Did you know that production of this movie almost got shut down because of this helicopter scene why because they were flying in restricted airspace above sydney <laughs> so it was like against the law and rather than shut it down they changed the laws in sydney to allow them to continue shooting oh my gosh yeah. this movie was meant to be <laughs> it was made. meant to be i'm like I, I was like i need to look into that a little bit more did was it did the people in Australia go, no, we want to see this movie. We're going to change the laws. Or did like the Wachowskis go like, well, can we do something? It's really important. Let's break the rules and then ask for permission and make the law change altogether. Yeah. So yeah, that I thought that was really interesting. They changed <laughs> the laws for that. As they get out also, so they, Neo saves Trinity and pulls her up and, Morpheus is like, see, I told you you were the one. And even Tank watching this from his computer screen is like, he is the one. Mm -hmm. But he's like, but the Oracle told me I wasn't. Yeah. He's like, the Oracle told you exactly what you exactly needed. Exactly what you needed to hear. So this is when the agents send the Sentinels. They're like, attack the ship. Like they need to they attack have, the ship. Yeah. So at the that ship point, in the real world. Yep. And at that point, they know where it is. Yeah. So. And then Tank finds an exit for the three of them in like an abandoned in, in the subway. subway. Yeah. So they go down. Morpheus, they send Morpheus gets out. In first. This is where Trinity like starts trying to tell him mm -hmm. again, but she's like being real slow. It's like, girl, we are on a time limit. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's like a homeless man who watches like Morpheus disappear into the thing. Right. So you can tell Agent Smith is going to warp into the homeless man's body mm -hmm. and take over. So just as Trinity gets out, Agent Smith shoots the phone. And so the phone's not any good. So Neo can't get out now. So he's presented with another choice. He can fight or he can run. And he chooses to fight. And 
in that scene they're watching him from the ship and right. trinity's like neo run yeah like, that's what she says out loud yeah and he chooses to fight and he holds his own in this fight because he kind of is starting to believe in himself a mm -hmm. little bit. He's starting to think like, I can do this. And so he's keeping, he he's kind of getting his butt kicked a little bit, but he's he's doing better than Morpheus did earlier in the bathroom. He didn't even land a punch, I don't think. And mm -hmm. so now Neo is kind of able to hold his own. There is the part where he gets him and... He like knocks him back when he's like punching him in the wall. Yeah. Trinity's like, he's killing him. Yeah. He's like slamming him around and stuff. And okay. Can point... I just make yeah. a random aside yeah. really quick? I watched the UFC fights last night and a guy took many blows to the face and his face looked freaking awful at the end of it. So I'm kind of like, these guys get punched in the face and knocked into walls and there's oh, not yeah. even a scratch on them yeah. at all. That's because they're actors and they have to be pretty. <laughs> it's just really funny. But then this is where we get like Agent Smith is holding him in front of the train. And he's like, you see that light or you hear that sound. That's the sound of inevitability. Mr. Anderson. <laughs> Mr. Anderson. That's another thing. I am inevitable. Yeah. Like inevitable and yes. inevitability and all of that stuff. Come that's on, Marvel. Of, it's kind of get a new storyline thing. And then he says, my name is Neo. Yeah. Bitch. And he jumps out of the way of the train and agent smith gets hit but then agent smith walks off the train God, he's like herpes he just keeps coming <laughs> back he, seriously i was like is he done yet <laughs> nope no he comes out on the subway so this is where fine. neo realizes that agent smith is a program he can't be killed if you kill his body then he'll just take over another body so does he he's like okay i'm, I'm gonna run now so he calls Tank and steals some ladies or some guy's phone. And then that guy <laughs> turns into an agent. And then he bumps into some lady with groceries. And then that person turns into an agent. And, and meanwhile, the Sentinels are attacking. The right. Ship. They have found the ship and they're mm -hmm. they're breaching the hull. Mm -hmm. But they the crew gets the EMP, charges the EMP, but can't fire it because Neo is still, still in, in the Matrix. Yeah. So they're chasing him through the city while he's trying to find a phone. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, it's 1999 and there's no more landlines than this. I was like, <laughs> nowadays we'd be fucked. But <laughs> in 1999, everybody has, everybody has a landline. So he's running through like apartment complexes and people are turning into agents and he's just trying to get away. And he finally finds a room. It's Trinity's room. It is the, yeah, it's the same room that Trinity was in in the beginning of the movie. Because you hear the, the phone agents. ringing. Yeah. Just as he opens the door, he gets shot. Agent Smith's there. And, and she he shoots him multiple times. And he shoots, it's like a slow mo scene that takes forever, right? So he shoots him once and then he shoots him again. And then all of a sudden he just fires a bunch of shots into him. It's brutal. Yeah. It's savage. So Neo dies. We think he dies. But then. I mean, the, his he flatlines. Yeah. So in the real world, this is where Trinity finally spits it out. <laughs> what you the know, Oracle the world's not her. ending or anything, Trinity. Come on. Yeah. Can you just like say, uh, you're the one I love you? Yeah. <laughs> she says that the Oracle told her she would fall in love with the one. And that yeah, is him. Yeah. And that she loves him. And, and so he has to be the one. Him. And then she kisses him. And then he comes back. And he is the one now. He's, He's a, resurrected. Yeah. And now, and we see that he sees in co in the matrix code now that's like what the world looks like to him agent smith comes back and he's just like no 
swatting him away basically he's like, like no. it's nothing <laughs> yeah they shoot at him first and yeah, he and stops all the bullets he because like holds up his hand and he's like no yeah and this is previously when morpheus was telling him that he believed that he was the one and he was like what are you what are you telling me that i can dodge bullets he's like no uh crap i'm gonna forget the quote but he's like what i'm telling you is that come on hail where to. you at <laughs> help us out phone a friend yeah and so Neo you won't realizes, yeah, and Neo realizes that the agents are now powerless against him. So he runs at Smith and destroys his code. Yes, it's crazy. He like Dives absorbs into, into him, him and then explodes and then explodes him. out of him. And I always thought that scene where he like flexes and the room like bends around him was really cool. Yeah, and then the other agents look at each other, look at him, and then they right. run. Nope. And then <laughs> as this is happening, the Sentinels have like. Because yeah. then Trinity yells at him and she's like, Neo. Yeah, because the Sentinels are coming in. They're breaking everything down. Yeah. So he hears it and he goes towards the phone. He gets the exit. phone. They fire the EMP just in time to survive, but also just in time for Neo to get out. But you don't know. You right. actually don't know if Neo gets out because they don't show it. But then right. when she looks like she hovers over his body, when she looks, he's awake. And then they kiss. Yay yes. for love. And then it cuts to another computer screen to kind of bring it full circle like the beginning but it's neo talking now and he's basically saying that i read somewhere that he was talking like to the matrix mm -hmm. like he's he was, gonna expose the truth yeah he's like I, I can feel you now and he's gonna expose what's really out there and then he flies he's into gonna, the he's sky gonna free everyone and then it he flies past the screen <laughs> and then what is it? Rage Against the Machine starts. Yeah. So I thought this was really interesting. The credit song is called Wake Up by Rage Against the Machines, which is very fitting for the movie. It's almost like this is the movie. They're raging against the machines and they're waking up. <laughs> exactly. So it's a really good film. I mean, we this is a longer episode because there is a lot to unpack here. Yeah. And I have a lot more fun facts. I was I have a going decent amount of fun facts. Too. I was going through my fun facts and it was just like one after the other, after the other, it was kind of like, yeah, they're just so fun there. They are. <laughs> there are some really good facts. Like yeah. the opening action scene took six months of training and four days to shoot, which is wow. Unbelievable. That's a lot of hard work put into that. Yeah. The lobby shootout scene took 10 days to film. <laughs> Right. Like we're talking about in the quiet place, how what it took a little over a month to film the yeah, entire movie. Yeah, it was movie. like 36 days or something. And here we are like this one scene took 10 days. The training before this was four months long. <laughs> <laughs> they had required reading. So the book that they were required to read was like simulations and simulacrum or something like that. And it's essentially like a philosophy book about simulations. Which a lot of references were made to that book in the film. Yeah, it, it was the book that he kept the disc in in the mm -hmm. very beginning when he, that guy was coming to buy it. So clearly, I've never tried to read that book, but I'm sure it would Sounds be over really my head. really boring. <laughs> I don't think it's anything like The Matrix. Mm -mm. And then we, ta we talked about the green tint and then, yeah. and then the yellow tint when Morpheus were, and yeah, when Neo are fighting. The, the construct. Another interesting I, thing I found was that to prepare for the scene in which Neo wakes up in the pod, Keanu Reeves lost 15 pounds and shaved his whole body. Yeah, it was to the give Neo was, an emaciated look. That was the last scene that they filmed too, oh gosh, because they though. had to, because he had he to shave look everything. So, he looked like Deadpool. Yeah, you know of. when Deadpool gets burned. Yeah, that's what he looked like. Ugh. We kind of touched on it earlier about like all of the casting considerations and stuff, but I don't know that we actually mentioned it 
in the podcast, but Will Smith was originally offered the role. <laughs> and it's just like, well, it would have been very it down different. to star in Wild Wild West. Which yeah. Is- <laughs> but he also later said that he didn't think that he was a mature enough actor and that Keanu Reeves did a fantastic job, which I mean, he did. Obviously, it's an iconic role. So he was offered the role and went on to be in Wild Wild West, which was a massive flop. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. And he, funnily enough, Jada Pinkett Smith actually auditioned for Trinity. Yeah. So that would have they, been I don't funny. think they would have. They, were, they weren't married at the time, were they? I don't Maybe. know. But I don't know. it just would have been interesting. Yeah. And then Sandra Bullock was considered for the role of Trinity, but she didn't want to be in it. She said because Will Smith was in it, which I don't know what that means. Maybe they didn't like weird. each other. Maybe. Um, and then later said that she regretted it because Keanu Reeves was in it and they had starred in Speed together and got along really well. It's just interesting how many people they considered for the role. So they didn't yeah. have a specific... They did when they were writing, but it's like... Right. It's not like uh, the genie in Aladdin where they were like, it's going to be... Robin Williams. Robin Williams. That's We're writing it based on him. He has to be the genie. Which is funny because when you think about how intentional everything in this film was, the fact that they didn't have a specific cast in mind, they really, they really hit the jackpot with their yeah, cast. It was, it worked out perfectly, but board. it could have worked out horribly for them. Yeah, not that Will Smith is a bad actor. I just don't think he would have been as good as Keanu Reeves. Yeah, like I was saying, Keanu Reeves isn't a bad actor. He's bad at some things, but in roles like this, like this role was like made for him. It feels mm-hmm. like it just, this was the perfect role for him. Yeah. And this film actually in 2012 was selected by the U S library of Congress yeah. for preservation in the national film registry archives. That's a big deal. I don't really know what all that is, but it's a big deal. It sounds it's like basically, big... yeah, it's basically like a historical film now. Mm-hmm. Like it's, they've chosen that this film will survive forever. Basically. Another interesting thing was the scene with the lady in red. They hired a bunch of identical twins to be the extras oh, to cool. create the illusion of a repetitive program. That's really cool. So like there's one guy in, in like a business suit and then a cop and those two are identical twins and stuff. It's like the casting call was like must be identical must twins. Must be identical twins. Yeah. Lawrence Fishburne said that Morpheus was like being Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader in one character. And fun little aside, Ewan McGregor was also considered for the role of Neo, but turned it down because he was filming The Phantom Menace. Oh, sucks for him. Right? (laughs) I'm like, you guys got swept. I mean, of of all of the prequels, The Phantom Menace is probably the best one. I mean, it's got Darth Maul. Yeah, we, we'll talk about that later because that yeah. was disappointing. It was very but disappointing. Anyways, it's just so funny how many actors turned down this role thinking it wasn't going to be great. and then Or because they were working on other projects and then those other projects ended up being awful. trash. Yeah. <laughs> trash, boo. <laughs> boo. And then they got swept with award. They took awards home. They weren't, they didn't take home best film, but they swept all the other yeah. awards that they could. Yeah, this movie was huge. Mm-hmm. Like, this was like nothing anybody had ever seen before. So if we're talking about like, was this a hit or a flop or whatever? Obviously it was a hit. It but was it, huge. It was but it wasn't hit. like a cult hit where it failed horribly no. and then became a hit afterwards. This it was just a like, hit from it, the start. It started well and then just skyrocketed. It was mm-hmm. it like even to this day, I watched this movie at least once a year. I've already watched it twice this year. <laughs> once well, be, just because I wanted to and then it won and I had to watch it again for this. 
in my theory of film class in high school, my professor was so obsessed with it that he had the posters all over the place and he made us watch it in high school. Well and determine you know all the taste. <laughs> yeah, I mean he he was obsessed with this. He had all the posters. I still remember it. Yeah. He probably still does if he's teaching. Probably. So I looked it up and this one, the box office was like really good, obviously. But the second movie was like a blowout. Like it was huge. It was but Can then... I be honest, I've never seen any of the other ones. <sighs> it's okay. The <laughs> second the me. second one was super popular and did really well, but I think people were a little disappointed. So the third one was the worst performing one of all. Oh really? Yeah. Is the second one with those twins? Yeah. Okay. The yeah. dreadlocks. Is that mm-hmm. what they have in them? I mean, kind I, of. They're like albino twin mm-hmm. kind of things. I remember yeah. seeing the previews in theaters for yeah. the second one. I actually started watching the second one yesterday, but I didn't get to finish it. It's really funny because my husband and my sister watched it with me. And we were trying to have a movie night Friday night to watch it all together. And my dad got up and said, I don't like these kinds of movies. And I don't even think he really understands what the movie's about because he's never gotten past the pod part because that uh, part's kind of grody yeah. to get past but yeah. once he would love it probably yeah i mean the he last loves action films. the last like third of the movie or the last quarter of the movie or something it's just like non-stop action and it's some of the best action scenes ever mm-hmm. put to film he he got up and he left also really fun fact the wachowskis have said that the popular japanese manga and the film of the same name ghost in the shell which i love yes were big influences on the development of the film ghost in the shell is amazing yes so i love that they which is was kind of released around the same time it was like the i don't want to say the renaissance because it wasn't like making a comeback but it was like this is when anime kind of became Mm -hmm. huge like i remember seeing ghost in a shell and akira and all of that stuff in blockbuster i know blockbuster (laughs) for those kids blockbuster was a place you would go and rent vhs tapes (laughs) a vhs tape is something (laughs) it's like what a dvd used to be (laughs) (laughs) but you have to rewind it rewinding is yeah it's like you have to explain all of these All, all of the signs be kind rewind yeah Oh, man, it was so annoying when you would get a movie and you'd and put it, it in and it wasn't rewound. And you're yeah. like, all right, I'm going to go make some popcorn. It's going to be like 10 minutes while this thing <laughs> rewinds. Oh, my gosh. That, that is was, that was so much fun, though, as a it kid. Was. I like, think there is one blockbuster left standing. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. And that was the place to be Friday night. Oh, you, yeah. Your parents would take you. You'd go right. And the new movie would drop and, and you would popcorn. Mm-hmm. And yeah. But the new movies would drop and you would hope that you got one. Yes. Oh, gosh. It was always disappointing when you wanted and you had a movie in your mind and they didn't have it because they yeah. were out. Yeah. Because they would dad- only have like four or five of a <laughs> movie or something. I remember my dad <laughs> argued with the guy because they charged us a late <laughs> fee because we dropped off our tape at like 505 and it was due by five or you got a late fee my dad was oh like my gosh cancel my subscription <laughs> you know he was like mad about it or whatever it was back then membership yeah. cancel my mem-. he was mad he's like cancel it oh, that's funny my dad hates late fees yeah i thought this was interesting the part with the pod where anya wakes up mm-hmm. was during the testing of the breathing mechanism the tester suffered hypothermia in under eight minutes and what so they the figured hell? out that the pod had to be heated what mm-hmm labor of love that's insane a lot of people risk their lives for this how cold was it (laughs) i don't know but also you couldn't just i don't know why would you use cold water yeah all very confusing to me 
I also thought this was fun because I'm from the Middle East. When you see Neo in the beginning, he's and he's sleeping at his computer, images are changing on the screen, and one of them is an actual Arabic newspaper. Oh. And so the translation is like midday. And then it's actually talking about negotiations between Lebanese Christians and Syrian President al-Assad in the late 1990s. <laughs> so I was like, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the code, the matrix code was like backwards letters and numbers and then occasionally like some Japanese letters, that's Japanese really cool. characters. There are just so many fun facts. When I was going through IMDb yeah. and Google and all of those things, I mean, pages and pages and oh, pages and we, of like, fun facts. Barely skimmed the surface on like the references that <laughs> right. they make in these movies. There's references to Total Recall. There's references to Alice in Wonderland. There's references to countless things. And obviously the Bible we did mention. But yeah, this movie is just like chock full of details like so much attention to detail that there's no way that we could mention everything here. Yeah. And we do have actually a listener's fun facts as well. Oh yeah. We did get an email from our listener, Amanda. So thank you for writing in. Yeah. And she gave us some pretty interesting ones that I thought her first thing, you know, what's in a name Trinity, the Holy Trinity, the power of three, First number associated with balance, three branches of the U.S. government. Neo. Trinity, Trinity, a triangle rather, is the strongest shape. She was what was kind of holding. Exactly. Neo together. And then Neo, new, revived, recent, young. So obviously that's what he was. He was a breath of fresh air for all of them. Right, right. And then Morpheus was the Greek god of dreams. It didn't hurt that it was also an anagram for one, Mm -hmm. the one. So yeah, we mentioned the references. So she mentioned the uh, Alice in Wonderland and the Wizard of Oz references, uh, stories about characters feeling powerless in life and then suddenly transported to a new world in which they are the one that can save everyone and fix everything. And life inside the Matrix is orderly and logical, planned and systematic. Life outside the Matrix is chaos and depends highly on what one feels intuitively and believes. Yeah, which makes sense because the the Matrix is a computer program, so Mm -hmm. it's going to function in an orderly fashion. Exactly. Which, okay, so going back to when Neo destroys Agent Smith, I was like, yeah, you went head to head with this ultra amazing hacker. And you thought yeah. he wasn't going to outsmart you. I just yeah. thought that was really interesting. Oh, but, yeah. I didn't even think about it. But like going that, back but yeah. to what Amanda said, she gave us a couple of other points. Our main character and each of the primary characters are only as strong as their beliefs in themselves. Doesn't matter how much he knows or how much others believe in him. He doesn't reach his full potential until he lets go of struggling to achieve what others believe he can and just taps into what he believes he can. None of us can succeed without believing in ourselves, which I thought was a touching thing to recognize. Yeah, we did kind of mention that a little bit in terms of Neo not being able to do things until he believed that he could do them or he knew that he could do them or recognized that it's not real. And so he learned which rules he can bend and break. Yeah, and then she made a point to the fact that Neo is only believes in himself because those around him do and Agent Smith believes in himself and his abilities without support of other people and his mm-hmm. fellow agents. And therefore, he doesn't have the strength. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah. There's also that line when Neo goes to the Oracle and he, when she tells him that he's not the one and he's like, man, Morpheus almost had me convinced. Yeah. Because of how deeply Morpheus believes that he's the one. 
Thank you, Amanda. Yeah, thanks Very for insightful. sending that in. And you guys can be featured on this episode too if you write us in. Yeah. About the films. Email is boxofficebrunchpodcast at gmail.com. So send in any thoughts or recommendations and you might get your comments right on air. Mm-hmm. Not that what we're would... live. <laughs> I don't know why. We're live to ourselves. <laughs> this is a radio. Gosh. What would you rate this film? Oh, this is a 10 out of 10 for yeah, me. I it's love a 10. this movie. It's a 10. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I'll admit, I was skeptical because I hadn't seen it in a long time. I was like, I don't want to watch this movie. Yeah, you were like texting me and you're like, "Uh, I like it, but I don't love it. And I was like, girl, we are going to have words. (laughs) (laughs) He was going to throw a punch the minute he saw it. No, but I think it's, I just built it up in my head as something that it wasn't. Yeah. And now I was really. What did you, you told me something earlier when we were going to get our food. You hadn't seen this movie since like High high school. So it's we're old now that was a long time ago (laughs) it was and i think in a setting of a classroom it was a little bit different yeah so i don't it's it's almost like required reading almost it's like somebody's telling you to watch a movie and if you're not in the mood for it you're gonna be like i hate it well and that was the one and only time i watched it so i had only seen it that one time because i guess it never appealed to me yeah it just wasn't something that i was like i'm gonna go out of my way to watch the matrix i didn't even know what it was about i knew the references because they were references you know the reference yeah, in so many films huge, moving yeah. forward, but I didn't. I didn't have any interest, so I'm happy I watched it as an adult and really paid attention to it because it is a very enjoyable film, and I do give it a ten out of ten. Yeah, and it's also like it has something for everyone. Like it has a lot of deep concepts and ideas and romance, it, like, philosophy. It's got romance, and then it's got action that it's hard to live up to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's got something for everybody. And I think that that it, it's obviously influenced sci-fi going forward. Absolutely. Like it is influencing Marvel films, apparently. I think so. <laughs> you guys tell I me, but I think so. I picked yeah. up on a lot of that. Yeah, it was very cool. And um, tell us what you thought. Rate it. Yeah. Tell us how we did on this episode. Okay. We're going to spill the wheel. Spill. Spill the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> the mimosa is getting to me. We're going to spin the wheel of fortune. I'm stressed out. I don't know why I'm stressed. Bohemian Rhapsody. This is meant to happen. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know what happened with our last they episode. Know. They listened. You better have listened. You better have listened. Did we talk about what you did? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Rita deleted like the last 20 minutes of our episode and we had already spun in Bohemian Rhapsody one. I was like, come on. I want to do one of my movies. So we spun it a third time and finally got the matrix and then we just rolled it again and it's bohemian rap is rhapsody so it's rhapsody rhapsody (laughs) well i wrote i was trying to type it in there really fast and so i just wrote bohemian rap (laughs) which is a probably a very it is a good film yeah i'm looking forward to it i have heard i've heard much better things about bohemian rhapsody than i did about rocket man i knew exactly where you're going with that and i agree i haven't seen either of those though so i like queen a lot but they're not like my favorite so you'll like them a lot more after this there are some really fun scenes i'm sure i like um what's his name remy malik rami malik rami malik remy remy (laughs) (laughs) ramen malik (laughs) I, i i like him a lot so i'm excited All right. We'll see you guys next time. And as always, thank you for tuning in. Yeah. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, uh, Instagram, so that you know what's going on. And thank you to Anchor 
for sponsoring this episode. Yes. And another thank you to Chaos Studio for all of our artwork and our music. Yes. That is her voice at the end of this podcast. Yeah. The little outro, the can I get a mimosa is her. So we love you, Kelsey. Thank Thank you you for taking good care of us. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Can I get a mimosa?